Hello, everyone. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Big 12 podcast brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use promo code LOCKEDON and get 20% off on your first purchase. Big day coming here on the Locked On Big 12 podcast. We have a busy weekend of Big 12 football to talk about. Oklahoma State falling against Texas in Stillwater. Also, Oklahoma getting big win. Iowa State rolling over Kansas. TCU wins over Baylor. And Kansas State gets thumped by West Virginia. A whole lot to get to here on the Locked On Big 12 podcast. All right, let's get to it, everybody. A Monday edition here of the Locked On Big 12 podcast. And we have to start in Stillwater, Oklahoma, where it was Texas 41, Oklahoma State 36 in overtime. Texas gets to 4-2. and two. Oklahoma State falls to 4-1. and one. Where to begin on this game? Um, there's only one place to start, in my opinion, and it's the fact that, that Texas had no business winning this football game. You look at the numbers, you go back and watch the tape, and there is no reason that Oklahoma State uh, lost this game. I mean, obviously there is a reason, but they should not have lost this contest. If you go to the numbers, and I will take you to them right now, it is staggering. The total yards on offense, 530 to 287, Oklahoma State has the advantage. In the passing game, 400 to 169. Texas did also lose the rushing uh, battle as well. They had 118, and uh, Oklahoma State had uh, 130. But you look at the yards per rush, three. Penalties, 13 for 142 on Texas. The turnovers, there were five for Oklahoma State. And that's where they lost this game. That's where this contest was really decided. You also look at third down. Texas was 2 of 15. Oklahoma State was 3 of 12. But this game was not played very well by uh, by Texas' offense. And you could argue, too, that Oklahoma State's offense didn't play well because a lot of their mistakes were so costly, right? I mean, obviously, it was a career day for Spencer Sanders, who threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. But he is involved in two fumbles, uh, throws interception as well, and that's this team's Achilles heel. And I do want to credit Texas' defense, namely Joseph Osai, for an incredible game. That is the best defensive performance I think we've seen from any player this year, period. You could actually argue it's the best performance in any college football game that we've seen from player, regardless of position. And I mean that sincerely. 12 tackles, 3 sacks, 6 tackles for loss, the game-winning sack... Uh, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery as well. He was a force today, and he had that sack in overtime uh, as well. No questions asked. Joseph Osai, he was your player of the game, and uh, he was the one making the biggest impact for the longest amount of time because that Texas offense was horrible. It was not good at all. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't throw the ball. And that's one thing that we talked about is that they had to establish B. John Robinson in the running game, and it was a challenge for them all day long. Going back and looking at some of the, uh, the offensive numbers, you're going to see that Texas, like I said, running the football was a challenge. Robinson, 13 carries, 59 yards. So not a bad day, but didn't really do a ton. Uh, Roshan Johnson, decent day, 9 carries for 49 yards. But in the end of all of this, 40 rushes, 118 yards, and that was the big difference. And Ellinger didn't even get the, uh, the running game going as well either. But the offense got put in a bunch of really good spots. And Oklahoma State's defense, or excuse me, their offense, uh, put here's, here's where they put them. They had the first turnover of the game that put them on their own 20. So Texas got the ball in the Oklahoma State 20. Touchdown. Interception was on a ball thrown way behind Tylen Wallace. 
return to the eight-yard line, Texas field goal. Forced fumble that was returned to the Oklahoma State 20, Texas field goal. Uh, so you're seeing at this point in time, all three of those have been inside the Texas t- or inside the Oklahoma State 20. Uh, Texas had, you know, the definition of a short field. And then off fumble, it was around the 50-yard line. Texas does go on a 60-plus uh, yard touchdown drive, but still a, a, a turnover in a pretty bad spot. So they did a good job converting those into points, but there weren't a ton of really great offensive drives from Texas all game. And also, you, you take into account that there was a kick return for a touchdown for Texas, and their offense really didn't come up with uh, many of their own kind of organic drives, ones that they started. That's part of it. Yeah, your defense can set your offense up. But the Texas offense was not the unit that we'd normally seen. Oklahoma State's defense did a very good job in this game. They played the right game. You're, you're going to look at the end and see the box score and say, oh, my goodness, you know, 41 points. Then you look at it for context, 287 total yards against the conference's best all-around offense. I don't really know what else you could have asked for. Uh, Oklahoma State's defense got the job done. And Ellinger, credit to him on that touchdown pass in overtime. I mean, he did an incredible job extending that play. The way he got to the sideline. And basically, Oklahoma State had that done very well, too, right? They forced him out of the pocket. They almost have him. But he takes a really good angle, looks downfield, finds Joshua Moore, and very calmly delivers that ball. An excellent job from his Sam Ellinger. And, uh, you know, that was that was the difference in overtime, right? And in, in offensively, at least. Joseph Osai was a difference defensively there in overtime. But, but here's the big issue. Here's the big uh, kind of talking point here, right? Good for Tom Herman. This is a really good win for them. This is a great win for the program. But Texas does not see themselves as the unranked team going into Stillwater as the upstart and trying to upset, you know, the, the top 10 team. They want it to be the other way around, right? And they're not. And that is a problem. Tom Herman still has a, I believe it's a sub 500 record against top 25 teams while he's at Texas. Texas sees themselves as the big dog. They don't want to be the team that's saying, oh, you know, great win for Texas. Wow. Nice upset victory. That's the issue, right? They're a four and two football team. That's three and two in the conference. That is not how they see themselves. This team had a squeak out a win against Texas Tech. They lost the overtime game against Oklahoma. They lost to TCU. This was a game that they probably should have lost despite everything that happened, despite all those turnovers, right? I mean, I I think that, you know, to me, the issue I had was that pass interference call in overtime that kind of bailed them out and allowed, you know, Ellinger to make that play. But if if Oklahoma State doesn't turn the ball over one of those times, and look, great job at Texas defense, but it's not like they, they forced all of those fumbles, right? I mean, a couple of those, you know, especially the first one was a Spencer Sanders dropped fumble. And I know it's part of the game, but if you told a Texas fan in the beginning of the season, hey, you guys had a football game where you turned the other team over five times and you took a kickback for a touchdown, how much? How many points did Texas win by? They'd say, oh, you know, probably at least 14, at least 17. That's the reality of it, is that, that they were not, they're not a good enough team to get five extra possessions and put away, you know, Oklahoma State. Uh, and Oklahoma State's, real, I think they're really, really good this year. But that's the issue, right? Is that this Texas, you know, this Texas program is not, I'm going to use the term back, but they're not at the highest level where they're, yes, they're competing with the uh, Oklahomas and Oklahoma States right now, but they think they are the team that should be representing the Big 12 in the playoff. 
And Texas has not been in that conversation for a while now. Not not any serious conversation, at least maybe in some of those preseason type talks. But my issue is that, is that this Texas program is nowhere near that point yet. And we're seeing right now with the recruiting that it looks like they might not have the guys to be up there in the future. Now, the recruiting's still been very good, but it's not manifesting itself on the field. And this is a fantastic victory. They can build on this. But they're still a 3-2 and two team in the Big 12. That is what it boils down to. Yes, they will be ranked. And yes, they have a contest still left. And I, I think they have a good chance probably to win seven games this season. For Oklahoma State, here is their problem. You, you, you turn the ball over five times in a game that I think they prove themselves to be squarely better than the other team. They move the ball at will. right? We saw that in the passing game. Uh, Texas defense did a very good job in the running game to stop Chuba Hubbard, but they couldn't stop. They couldn't stop Oklahoma state through the air, right? They, they didn't really have a whole lot for them in the passing. game. I mean, Spencer Sanders, you know, with a 184.1 quarterback rating, very accurate through the air, did a good job getting off the field on third down, but very accurate through the air. Tylen Wallace got whatever he wanted. Dylan Stoder had a nice game. Uh, you know, distribution was there across the board, but Good run defense. Uh, I want to I want to give Texas that. But Oklahoma State, you look at those five turnovers, and you're still in that game. That tells me that you should be that good of a team. But you know we've seen this happen before. That teams that are not quite just on the precipice, right? They're they're, they're right there. They're knocking on the door of being great, but they let games like this get them right. And the defense proved itself to be good in this game. Spencer Sanders proved himself to be great in this game. But a special teams mistake, and then you're turning the ball over and being careless with the football. Uh, it hurts you. In a day where your quarterback had a career game, he also made the mistakes that killed your team. For Oklahoma State, I just saw the most recent AP poll. They dropped to 14th. Now, the, the good thing for them is, you know, I'm going to go through these teams ahead of them. Indiana, Oregon, Miami, Wisconsin, BYU, Florida, A&M, Cincinnati, Georgia, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. There's a whole lot of football left. And Oklahoma State is going to have plenty of opportunities to prove themselves once again. I don't think they're out of the playoff hunt. Uh, I think saying that in 2020 would be uh, that's not smart thing to do. Just just because we're talking about BYU and Cincinnati having a shot to make it. If we're serious, seriously going to consider those teams, and if Oklahoma State can run the table, then we should definitely seriously consider a one-loss Oklahoma State team. Uh, Oklahoma State is on the road against Kansas State next week. They're on the road for Bedlam against Oklahoma. They've got Texas Tech, and they're at TCU and at Baylor. Four out of the last five games on the road. If they rack up wins in all of these games and then win a Big 12 championship game, I think you definitely have to consider them. Their one loss is not going to be an appalling loss like Ohio State had a few years ago against Purdue. Right? It's not going to be a situation like that but they're going to have to perform at a much higher level. Oklahoma beats them on a performance like today and, and probably beats them uh, pretty badly, right? I mean, Oklahoma's team, I think if you give that offense five extra possessions, you're going to be in trouble, right? That's that's not The game's not going to go end up going well for you. Kansas State, they looked awful, but if you turn the ball over five times against them, I bet you're not winning that football game. They're, they're probably going to keep that game on schedule if they turn you over five times. Not saying it's going to happen again, but the, the taking care of the football is an issue that when we watch Spencer Sanders play, it's always right there because he is a risk taker. And that is part of why I think he is such a good dynamic player, right? I, I, I watch him and got a great arm, uh, 
can make difficult throws because he's got such a good arm, but it's those fumbles, those bad interceptions that make you shake your head and say, you know, we just don't need those, right? Completely unnecessary plays that have cost this team, uh, that cost that got that team the game. I know it's not all on him, right? You know, the, the line had to do a little bit better. Uh, blocking and Chuba Hubbard wasn't trying to find the creases, right? He's a really patient runner most of the time, but sometimes he didn't just find a gear and hit it and go like he did, especially against Iowa State. So I think there's, you know, some blame is to be shared there. But Spencer Sanders, for a guy who had a career day, also had uh, the mistakes. That's kind of what sticks out to me more, the actual really good performance. So a really compelling game. Uh, a game that has many implications. Texas now is back in it in the Big 12 race, right? You look at this conference and you look at the standings now. I mean, there are legitimately, legitimately five teams that could win the regular season of this conference right now. You've got uh, two teams at 4-1 and one with Iowa State and Kansas. You've got another team at Oklahoma State that's 3-1. and one. You've got three teams at 3-2 and two in Oklahoma, Texas, and West Virginia. So all those teams in the conference are not out of this thing. They're all within one game of the top. So this game made the Big 12 a whole lot more compelling. I guess if you're from a big picture, you know, cheering for the Big 12 conference standpoint, maybe not the most positive thing for the conference, but from a competitive standpoint, that makes this, this conference a whole lot more interesting because these games become a whole lot more impactful, right? We now, you know, especially we talk about next week's games, thinking about this now, right? West Virginia, Texas is going to be for a team, you know, hey, whoever wins this game is going to stay within at least one game of the lead of the conference, right? It's basically, uh, you know, a knockout game, right? The loser is going to have three conference losses. The winner gets to four and two and stays within a lead of the, of the uh, first place team. Kansas State and Oklahoma State, right? The loser of that game is going to have two losses and the winner of that game is going to be tied or at least paced at the top of the conference, uh, you know, at the end of next week. So because of the results of this Texas-Oklahoma State game, things did get a whole lot more interesting in the Big 12 Conference. And that's more fun for me, uh, but it's not great for the prospects, uh, you know, long-term if you're thinking about, hey, can the Big 12 get a playoff team this year? All right, so let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about West Virginia beating the absolute tar out of Kansas State this week. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by Coors Light. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to just chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that is Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies themselves. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind and watch some Big 12 football. So when you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. 
From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, our next result we're getting to is West Virginia 37, Kansas State 10. The number 16th ranked team in the country fell in Morgantown. West Virginia gets to 4-2. and two. Kansas State is 4-2 and two as well. That was their first loss in the conference. So now they're 4-1, and one, still atop the league tied with Iowa State. West Virginia gets to 4-2 and two overall, 3-2 and two in the conference. So just one game behind there. And obviously, they've got the outright win over Kansas State, which is helpful in the event of a tiebreaker. This game was an ass-whipping in a way that I did not expect. Uh, the way that West Virginia's defense took it to Kansas State for the entire game. The the first half, they actually Kansas State's offense did not do horribly in terms of the total yardage, right? This was a game where Will Howard throws two interceptions in the first half. In the first quarter, he's three for nine, uh, 49 yards and two interceptions. West Virginia actually does not do a whole lot with that. But the second half is where they were able to assert themselves. And the second half numbers will show you total yards for Kansas State second half. 73, uh, eight rushing yards. And I know they were behind, but they were awful, awful, awful. Passing the ball, running the ball. I mean, this team could not get a whole lot going, and West Virginia's defense was a big reason why. Uh, also, that second quarter was a big reason why. West Virginia had three separate scoring drives in that half where uh, it was three different ways of scoring, two touchdown passes and also a Letty Brown touchdown run. This offense was clicking in that quarter, and I thought Kansas State had some moments early on, but it just felt like West Virginia kept getting the ball back, and uh, you know we've gave them that many opportunities. This offense can find its rhythm, and they did in this game uh, in a way they had not earlier in the season. This is the offensive output that we know West Virginia has in them. When Jared Dagey is firing on all cylinders and he's able to spread the ball around, and also, too, they can get Letty Brown going. I thought the way West Virginia controlled the line of scrimmage in this game was very impressive. Uh, the running numbers aren't going to come out to be completely staggering, but in the end of the game, uh, that's really what mattered for them. They were able to control the way this game looked. After 21-7, it was really never that close. Uh, you look back at the scoring, and it was 24-10 to 10, uh, going into halftime, but it did not feel like that Kansas State was in any position. And once the second half began, you could tell their offense was not going to be able to affect much. Uh, once again, Will Howard struggling this game. This was a game where they missed so much having Skylar Thompson's experience because Will Howard just didn't look confident. He had some throws that actually looked pretty good, and he did look confident on, but on the on the whole, especially early, First pick is in triple coverage. And then his second pick he throws when he starts feeling some pressure off the middle, uh, or up the middle rather, off of a delayed blitz. It was a very nice defensive play call. But they did not look comfortable. Uh, the offense really could never find a rhythm. West Virginia's defense did a good job of shutting down Deuce Brown, who ends up having 22 yards on the ground and just one yard in the air. And that's the key. If you can shut them down and get them behind the eight ball, Kansas State is a team that struggles with coming from behind. Yes, they did it to uh, Oklahoma, but that is kind of more of an Oklahoma issue, it looks like to me, than it is a uh, Kansas State's defense, or offense rather, is really good at coming from behind. So I feel like 
this game is kind of indicative of how, you know, things will go for Kansas State if they get down. It's just not a team that can do a good job of recovering. And also, too, their defense struggled to keep them in the game. Yes, the 13 points in the second half were very good, but with the ample opportunities, the extra chances that Kansas State gave over to West Virginia in that first half, that is that to me is what allowed WVU to take over this game and the Mountaineers allowed them to get this win. And also, too, you know, like I mentioned, this game, this win allowed them to get back into the mix now and make it really six teams that are within one game of the conference lead. So that is compelling now once again for us, that Neil Brown's got this team playing uh, in a very good way, and now in a way where they are, you know, a win against Texas next week, it's going to keep them within one game of that lead, uh, that conference lead, because we know the winner of uh, Oklahoma State and Kansas State is still going to have just one loss in the conference. So uh, West Virginia looking like a team that could maybe – not win the conference, but they're definitely going to upset the apple cart uh, and have their say on who wins this conference before it's all said and done this year. So really nice win by Neil Brown, and the win in a way that I did not see coming. I thought West Virginia uh, was going to have some issues in this game. I thought Kansas State was going to be able to keep this one on schedule. They were not. They had no shot. All right, we're going to hear one more word from our sponsors, then we will come back and talk about the last three games of the weekend wins for Iowa State, TCU, and Oklahoma. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. They've got six new awesome flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bar chia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Those go along with their 12 original flavors. All those have chocolate, six with nut, six without nut, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. We have a great offer for you Locked On listeners. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get 20% off on your first order and a chance to win a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Once again, that's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off on your first order. All right, let's talk Baylor and TCU. TCU wins 33-23. They get to 2-3 and three in the conference. Baylor falls to 1-3, and three, and both those teams have just played conference games. So TCU 2-3 and three overall, Baylor 1-3 overall. Their overalls are the same as their conference records. This game really came down to that first quarter. Um, this game, this is how it began. Punt, punt, TCU touchdown, five plays, 73 yards. Baylor punt that was returned for a touchdown, so it's 14-0. Baylor interception, TCU touchdown. So with those stats in mind, uh, with those drives in mind, the game was 20 to nothing. TCU added a, a late touchdown in the first half, also added a field goal, and then Baylor was able to score a touchdown, but it was 30 to 7 at halftime. They did make some inroads and in making this somewhat of a game. They scored to cut it to 33-23 in the second half. Baylor did uh, with about 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They did not get the two-point conversion. TCU punted, and then Baylor's drive stalled about the 40-yard line of TCU turnover on downs. And TCU has a nice 12-play, 42-yard drive that uh, ends that, that's able to milk the rest of the clock in this game. So first place I'm going here is those first quarter numbers. Score 20 to nothing, total yards. TCU outgains Baylor 123-21 to in the first quarter. Um, 12 passing yards. For Baylor, nine rushing, 
the first quarter was really Max Duggan's best quarter. He threw for 98 yards in the quarter. And then in the end of the game, I did tell you guys that third down was going to be an important uh, aspect of this game. TCU was actually able to minimize this. Both of these teams were dreadful on third down. TCU was 2 of 13. Baylor was 3 of 16. Uh, TCU, another important stat. I said if one team was able to get to the quarterback, that could decide the game too. TCU got five sacks in this game on Charlie Brewer. They did a good job of generating pressure for a majority of the game. And uh, this was kind of the TCU defense that we were used to seeing, that we've been accustomed to seeing this year, or excuse me, in past years. So TCU getting home, being able to get to the quarterback, and also just doing enough on offense. Uh, We talked last week with Steven Simcox about TCU's desire to establish the running game, and they were able to do that today. Darwin Barlow, 16 carries for 117 yards and a touchdown. Zach Evans added 7 for 81 and a score of his own. TCU rushed to the tune of 5.6 yards per per carry, and that's not even factoring uh, the sacks in as well. So TCU, a really nice game on the ground today. And Stephen Simcox told us, look, they want to run the football some. Max Duggan was 14 for 23 for 138 yards and a touchdown, but he did not make any critical mistakes, in my opinion. He did have the fumble at the end of the first half, but they were up 30, so it really didn't end up costing them too much. It did lead to a Baylor touchdown, but really didn't factor in too much in this game. So uh, TCU's defense is the big story here. I thought Baylor would rally. I thought Ebner and Lovett would have pretty good games. Uh, They did not, and it was a difficult challenge today uh, in that game for Baylor. Charlie Brewer was 17 of 37 for 203, two scores, and then an INT, but those all came in the second half. And Baylor's offense just struggled to get it going, moving the football, until it was far too late. I mean, they they put themselves, this offense, which has been pretty bad throughout this year, put themselves in a spot where they had to climb out of a gigantic hole, and it's not an offense that's built to do so. And uh, that is the story, right? This offense is struggling. They might have to find a different option at quarterback because the Charlie Brewer thing right now is not working out for them. We will have more on both these teams in tomorrow's Power Rankings episode of Locked On Big 12 podcast, so make sure you guys check that one out. Not going to spend too much here in Iowa State and Kansas. Um, Iowa State wins 52-22. to Iowa State gets to 4-2 and overall, 4-1 and in the conference, so tied for best in the league. 0-6, Jayhawks now 0-5 in the conference. This one, it was it was a pretty weird game. Iowa State takes an early lead, and... Uh, then they allowed a touchdown. It was 20-7 to as we entered the half, so it was kind of a closer game. Iowa State able to extend that lead to 35-14 after three. The, the big part of this game for me is that it was a two-score game. It was a 16-point game with 7.34 left to go in the fourth quarter. It was 38-22. to The line in this game was 27 and a half. And if you guys follow us on Twitter, you know that for the picks – I took Iowa State minus 27 and a half because I said, look, whatever the number is for Iowa State, you lay that. You lay it, you lay it, you lay it all day long when it comes to Kansas. And, uh, you know, with seven minutes to go, 16 points, I said, well, the, the best thing Iowa State can do here is just sit on this lead, run the football, and they get a 58-yard touchdown uh, from Brees Hall. And then the backups are in, and Joe Skates finds Hunter Deckers with 2.14 to go to make this a 30-point game when they add the extra point on. Iowa State ends up covering the the 27.5. So if you had that, if you took the advice 
over their, uh, you know, shocking cover, really. And they did it with two and a half minutes left, too. They were able to score those 14 points in less than five minutes to get the cover. Yeah, the, the balance we were looking for in offense, right? It was there, kind of. Um, Brock Purdy goes for 239 of the year, two touchdowns and interception. Guess who? It was Brees Hall on the ground for Iowa State. 21 carries for 185 and two touchdowns. All in all, Iowa State, four rushing touchdowns on the day, 258 yards. They rushed to the tune of 7.4 yards per carry. Brock Purdy did find three different uh, receivers on the touchdown passes, so the, the distribution, that's what I was asking for from this team, that was there. And I actually think for a 30-point loss, I know this sounds weird, but Kansas did hang in there. This is a very good team, we think, right? This is a very good Iowa State team. It's a 30-point loss, but it was 16. It was a two-score game in the fourth quarter. So Kansas, and I know it sounds really patronizing, but you have to take positives wherever you can find them, right? That is a big part of, of Kansas football right now is you have to look at that and look at it from that perspective, right? Only three penalties for 25 yards. They played a really clean game today. I thought the Jayhawks did. So if you can find the positives in areas like that, you're good to go. The other issue though I'm having is 11 tackles for loss for Texas, uh, for, excuse me, for Iowa State, five sacks allowed. This Kansas front has to protect the quarterback better. It is, they're not going to be able to, to, to develop anybody back there if they can't protect and especially Jalen Daniels, who I like, who I think has a future with the Jayhawks program. You don't, you don't want a player like that to leave. Uh, we mentioned Khalil Herbert last week. Guys will want to do that if you can't protect them. Especially Jalen Daniels, a guy that we know has some talent and ability and could play at other schools, right? That's somebody that I think if he wanted to transfer, could definitely find himself at a Power 5 school if he wanted to. He's got ability. He's got a good arm. He can run the football as well, too. And... Uh, you know, but he's not going to be able to develop any of those things if they can't keep him upright, which they need to do moving forward. All right, let's end the podcast where the day ended in the Big 12. It was Oklahoma 62, Texas Tech 28. Oklahoma gets to 4-2, and 3-2 and two in the conference. Texas Tech falls 2-4, and 1-4 and four in the conference. Not too long on this one either. This one was pretty cut and dry. There is a 10-drive stretch in this game where Oklahoma scored... Seven touchdowns, they kicked two field goals, and they punted just once in 10 drives. So uh, Oklahoma's offense was off and running after the first drive, which was a punt. Their average field position was their own 38-yard line, so they're always starting off in a good spot. They forced two early interceptions that were right off the hands of Texas Tech receivers. So they really weren't really on Henry Columbia. Besides, and the balls were thrown a little bit too hard. I think one was behind a receiver. But Oklahoma did take advantage, and they did a good job of cashing in. Their red zone offense was tremendous. Nine for nine on in this game in the red zone. And one thing that I noticed when watching this game was Spencer Rattler's comfort rolling out to his right. He's just improving. He actually kind of prefers to be on the run, moving just a little bit. He likes directing traffic. He likes getting to that point. It seems like he's a bit more comfortable outside the pocket than he is inside the pocket, especially in this game. So I was pretty impressed with Spencer Rattler in this contest. Uh, nice day for him, 21 for 30, 288, two touchdowns. And uh, he found Austin Stogner for one, Jeremiah Hall for the other. Theo Weiss was the leading receiver. He had 105 yards. And I like the fact that Oklahoma is having new targets emerge. I know this Texas Tech defense is not one of the better ones in the conference or even in the country amongst Power 5 teams, but uh, Oklahoma still did a great job of you know exploiting that defense, of making them look like they were a bad defense. Ramondre Stevenson on the ground, three touchdowns for him. 
And uh, I was impressed by the senior in short yarded situations. They trusted him with the rock and the six foot, 246 pounder took it in. So a nice day for Ramondre Stevenson and this Oklahoma rushing attack as a whole. They were able to cash the check, if you will, and that Oklahoma offense got them down there. 213 yards on 39 carries. They averaged 5.5 yards per rush, and they cashed in six times, six scores on the day. And the longest rush of the day, 18 yards for this OU rushing attack. So they weren't hitting big plays, but they were finishing off drives very nicely. I was impressed by what Oklahoma did against Texas Tech. And for them, I'm wondering how healthy everybody was heading into this game. I'm wondering how good Sir Roderick Thompson felt. I'm wondering how good Jadarius Townsend felt. And they, across the board, were pretty banged up heading into this contest. No TJ Vasher in this game either. And that was a challenge for them. He's one of their better receivers. So Texas Tech looking to get healthy, but they got the brakes blown off. Their defense could not hang with this Oklahoma offense. And that's something that we thought might happen, right? We, we saw uh, before this game that we thought it was going to be difficult for Oklahoma or for rather Texas Tech to hang with Oklahoma, especially if they're going to be missing a lot of those guys. And if those guys who were missing played, if they weren't at 100%, we had some concerns about how competitive this game was going to be with those guys banged up or out. All right, that'll do it for us today. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at LOBig12. Uh, we have our picks there, two and three this week. That gets us to six, three, and one overall, so doing pretty well through two weeks against the spread in the Big 12 Conference. Follow me at Josh Neighbors. Make sure you guys check out our Power Rankings episode that is going to be coming out on Tuesday and then on Wednesday, we're going to have our conversation with John Williams of the Locked On Sooners podcast. He will be our Wednesday conversation. So looking forward to talking to John, talking some Oklahoma football, talking some Big 12 football in general. And then obviously on Thursday and Friday, we will have our weekend preview. So fun week here as we get deeper and deeper into the season. We're about halfway through for most of the teams in the conference going to start getting the crunch time here pretty soon in the Big 12 and across all of college football as now we are in November. All right, everyone, please subscribe, download, and review, and make sure you guys stay safe out there.